Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to travel the world. And not only how to travel the world, but how to conquer your fears and do amazing um, you know, activities and events and live life to the fullest. And uh, one of the things we love to do is interview guests who are living life to the fullest. You know, me and my family, we're from Vancouver, BC, Canada. We are living life to the fullest as well, traveling around the world and, uh, you know, inspiring others to do so as well. Our guest today is also a fellow dad, a fellow Canadian, fellow entrepreneur. And our guest today, his name is Chad Bentley. And uh, Chad is the founder of PlantsLifeSports.com. PlantsLifeSports.com. He's an endurance athlete, uh, and he's actually going to be doing an amazing challenge uh, of five Ironman um, triathlons in five days on five Hawaiian islands happening this August 28th to September 1st, 2018. And if you're listening to this after, um, uh, you know, August, uh, you'll know the outcome of, uh, you know, how... Chad has done, but this is definitely the before interview, and who knows, uh, we might actually bring in Chad to do an after interview on what he thought the event was going to be like, what, it, what it's going to be like after, and Chad is going to be sharing some great tips on how you can transform your life based on maybe being unhealthy, uh, to living healthy, maybe being um, you know more comfortable, to taking risks, and uh, maybe being non-athletic, to becoming athletic. So, um, you know, Chad's a great example of a life transformation uh, case study, and he's going to share with you how you can also transform your life. So, Chad, how are you doing over there in Vancouver, BC, Canada today? I'm doing great, Ricky. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. I love talking to fellow dads, fellow connects. So, uh, in terms of your own story, Chad, uh, that's how I like to start the interview. Why don't you trace us back to the beginning, and wherever you like where that beginning is, <laughs> and yeah. why don't you share a little bit more about yourself? Okay, I'll, well, I'll share my uh, my journey into endurance athletics. Uh, back in uh, the early days, uh, uh, I'll, I'll quickly run over. I was a, I was a rugby player. I loved absolutely just loved rugby, uh, and uh, I took a, a career-ending injury. I uh, blew up my knee pretty bad and anterior cruciate ligaments, and uh, had scopes and full reconstruction. Uh, from there, I kind of went downhill because I loved, I loved, uh, uh, I loved that life of being involved with athletics and being on a team. Uh, went into a little bit of depression, started eating and uh, drinking quite heavy, and uh, I also, you know, back in those days, I, I liked to smoke and ended up being about a pack a day smoker. So, uh, you know, as time went on, I, I just kept eating and thought I could eat, drink, and basically smoke anything, and. Uh, well, you know, substances such as cigarettes. And, uh, you know, and I, I got upwards of 250 pounds. And uh, I was out for dinner with my wife uh, on the east coast of Canada. And uh, I ordered two meals. And I had a couple pints of beer. And somebody said to me, a stranger said to me, are you worried about having a heart attack? And wow. it just absolutely embarrassed me. I was just, I was floored. I was, I could feel my face turn red and, and I was just disgusted in myself. So that was about 2003. Uh, I, you know, we, I, I started to hike a little bit and, and, and get a little bit healthy. And I took off to, uh, Lhasa, Tibet to do a little trekking through the Himalayas. And, uh, when I got home, I decided to, uh, sign up for a half Ironman, which is a two kilometer swim. 
a 90 kilometer bike ride and a 21 kilometer run. So I, I went out, I attempted it, completed it and absolutely fell in love with, uh, with triathlon. So from that point on, I signed up for Ironman. I quit drinking. I, <laughs> I cut out meat, decided not to eat land animals anymore and, uh, started eating tofu and training all the time. And in 2007, I finished my first Ironman. And basically the rest is kind of history from there. I just kept going with it. It, uh, I, I was getting fitter and fitter, meeting new people, um, just felt like life was getting brighter all the time doing these athletics. You know, you, you, you just feel that you're on the right path. You know, it could be that purpose driven, uh, motivation and, uh, and just opportunity seems to present itself in that world. And uh, 2014, I decided to attempt a race called Ultraman, which is a 10-kilometer swim. Uh, it's a three-day stage race, 10-kilometer swim, 145-kilometer bike on day one. Day two is a 275-kilometer bike ride, and day three is an 84-kilometer run. So since 2014, I've done four of them. And uh, this year, so in 2018, I'm now moving on to the next level and I'm attempting the uh, five Ironmans in five days on five different Hawaiian islands. And I'm doing it and raising money for charity as well. <laughs> That's kind of my journey. And I've also had two kids along the, you know, in all those years I've, I've uh, you know, I have two young kids. They go to the, every finish line that I'm at. And, uh, you know, I try to include them as much as I can. There's no question. That is beautiful, my friend. You are a story waiting to be written. It's incredible the life transformation you've had, uh, you know, from being overweight and healthy, uh, being quite destructive in terms of your habits of, uh, um, you know, alcohol and depression and uh, cigarette smoking. And boom, you had the life transformation. And now, whole different chat, right? Whole different chat. Yeah, it, it really is. It was a, a complete uh, 180 degree shift. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's a, it's, it takes a lot of effort, but it, it helps with, uh, it, it has helped along the way with uh, battling, you know, possibly some, some demons in my mind that I had to uh, wipe out. And uh, it's helped. And uh, for that, I'm, I'm thankful for that. These athletics are even out there because it's been amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really want to do a deeper dive into this change, this metaphor, metamorphosis, the transformation, as you put it. Uh, because a lot of us, like even myself, I, I don't feel I'm healthy enough. Uh, you know, I'm eating unhealthy or I'm, over, I'm overweight and I want to be healthier. But for some reason, I'm not motivated to go to the gym or exercise. And I haven't had that person ask me. I've never ordered two meals, by the way. But, but regardless, I never had that person come up to me and say, Ricky, are you waiting for your heart attack? And I'm sure that was obviously the turning point you mentioned. But was it that person only that caused the change? Or tell us about, you know, being unstuck in the change because that change is the most challenging part, I find. And I'm sure a lot of our viewers and listeners also struggle with that change. Well, I, I think that uh, I, I like to use that story uh, of that couple or that, that guy saying to me, are you worried about having a heart attack? But prior to that, I, I had uh, some real, real negative thoughts about myself. 
you know, like whether it's waking up with a hangover in the morning and just being absolutely disgusted in the things that I did the day before, even though they might not have been that bad. But to me, it was like, it was terrible. You, you lose control and uh, you feel like life has just spiraled out of control. You know, I spent most Sundays waking up with a hangover and then maybe going through the McDonald's drive through just to, you know, just to add to it, right? Make myself feel better by, by having a, you know, a massive order of McDonald's food. And, uh, but to get that change, you have to, you have to associate a pain to it. And I did that. The pain to me is waking up with a hangover. That to me is painful. I don't want that in my life anymore. Uh, eating, uh, greasy food that could potentially cause me to, um, have disease or whatever. I look at that and go, that's, that's, that's a pain attached to that. And then I look at my kids and I go, well, I owe it to my kids to be as healthy as I possibly can. I'm an older dad too, so I, I want to be as healthy as I, I, I can because I want to be there for them and, uh, and, and experience life with them. You know, so it really is just attaching a pain that is enough to make you mentally want to change. And also reframing your thoughts. If, you're, if you feel that you're not worthy and, you're, and um, you, you, you just can't change, you, you have to... You have to go deep in your mind and know that you're you're entitled to be healthy and you can master those thoughts that go into your mind all the time. Because, I mean, it's those thoughts that turn into feelings and feelings turn into actions, right? So, Yeah, yeah, great insights there. So basically change the thought patterns, uh, you know, uh, the self-esteem, the confidence, the, uh, the limiting beliefs. And, uh, you know, I love how you put it um, so eloquently, like you're attaching a pain uh, to the McDonald's burger you're about to eat. Because, yeah, McDonald's hamburger might taste good, it might be quick, might be easy, might be fast, convenient, but actually what is it doing to you in terms of uh, the kind of the grander scheme of things, in terms of death, disease? Like, who wants cancer? Who wants disease? Who wants a heart attack? Who wants to die quickly? You know, not yeah. so many people are going to raise their hand. Yeah, yeah, me. I want heart attack. I want. <laughs> I don't. I don't see any people raising their hands, right? So I love yeah. that analogy there about you know like uh, association. So when you do make these mind, mental shifts and uh, associations, how does that change occur? Like, uh, was it hiring a personal trainer? Was it just you going to the gym? Uh, was it? Self-motivated? Did you have accountability? Tell us about that transition into actually, like you said, thinking, feeling, and then action, action, action. Yeah, well, I think that uh, a big thing that helped me shift was uh, the people that I was surrounding myself with. You know, I, I, uh, I met uh, lots of new people. Uh, some were athletic, some were, you know, business people. It's, but they all had this, uh, maybe this confidence and a high self-esteem attached to them. So once you surround yourself around people like that, it rubs off on you and uh, you know, and, and, and it's just, it helps uh, you start to, to realize that, you know, that you, you watch people setting goals and you realize, well, I can set those goals. I can do what they're doing. We're all, you know, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? We're all, we're all humans. And, and uh, uh, so you see that it's possible. And I mean, I grew up with, I got to say, I grew up with low self-esteem. I, I did my whole life. I was always, uh, you know, a teenager, you know, and I, it took me a long time to get over that. 
I think you just need a few wins in life to get over that. And you create those wins yourself. That's, that, that's what it is. It's you versus your mind. Your mind can be your worst enemy or your best friend. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well put. Uh, so basically changing the mindset, uh, associating yourself with different uh, friends, uh, the community that will support you, cheer you on. And you look at kind of the CrossFit community and I only think of them because they're all rooting each other on, cheering each other on. Yeah. And they have this tight knit CrossFit uh, kind of community that's helped them all be fit and healthy. Um, so, uh, you know, you definitely hitting, um, some nails on the head here in terms of uh, shifting. Uh, you also yeah. shifted in terms of animal diet to plant diet. Uh, why do you feel that that's a good shift? Because a lot of people healthy still eat meat as well, meat and plants. Um, so tell us about what made you shift the animal to the plants and why do you feel plants are healthier than animal or other diets? Well, you know, I, and, it, and it's a personal belief of mine, but I, I you know, my a lot of my friends and family are, are obviously meat eaters. Uh, for me, the shift was, uh, my wife was already a, she was a vegetarian. She was into animal rescue. So, uh, uh, I decided, well, she, you know, she wouldn't, if she was cooking us dinner, she would never cook meat, but she was years before I was. So I, I made the shift in 2006, but a big part of it was animal rescue and it was the, the treatment of animals. That's the way it started. And then it, uh, kind of, uh, morphed into the uh, feelings of health and wellness. I'd done quite a bit of reading um, and just the, the effects of the way factory farming has affected our meat and the environment. So I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop eating, eating meat. And uh, you know what? It has actually kept me from rolling through a drive through and picking up a hamburger. So it, it helped me change my habits a little bit. But you know what? I don't miss it one bit, not one bit. And uh, I, it's my belief that men in general shouldn't eat red meat. It's not good for, for us in many different, uh, for many different reasons. Um, I don't eat uh, chicken and stuff like that. It's just, it's just, I just stay away from it. Just the way that the, the, the meat is produced. Um, I believe in a alkaline forming diet. I believe heavily in greens and uh, making your body less acidic. And uh, disease loves to live in an acidic body. So the less acidic you are and the more alkaline you are, uh, it's just overall less inflammation, everything in your body. So it's just harder for disease to live. It's better for recovery after athletics. Um, and I don't think that we need as much protein as uh, what some you know, nutrition marketers might let us, uh, lead us to believe. So, and I, and I've proven I've done, uh, I've done an ultraman as a vegan. Um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I do eat eggs and I eat free range eggs lunch, you know, and, and, uh, and I think that makes me feel a little bit better, but all in all, I'm, I'm primarily plant based, plant based. Yeah, definitely uh, remarkable there. Tell us a little bit about how your actual diet looks like when, um, when, when uh, you know, people who are trying to make that shift, they don't know what a plant-based diet looks like. It's not eating tofu 24-7, right? It's like no, salads no. and uh, soups. And uh, Tell us a typical day. What would you eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Well, uh, you know, and I'm not perfect by any means. You know, I'm not. And, uh, but in the morning, I, uh, I start off every day with a, with a smoothie. And, uh, it'll be, and I do supplement a little bit with a product called Vega. 
and it's uh, it was it was created in Vancouver, North Vancouver, by a, a triathlete named Brendan Brazer. I, I my wife and I use that a lot, and I just like the taste of it. And in the morning, I can add it to water, and I throw blueberries and some kale in, and I feel like I'm uh, starting off on the right foot. Um, lunchtime, I might uh, have a salad or bean burrito, um, maybe a couple hard-boiled eggs, you know, and then I eat fruits and vegetables. And then at dinner time, it's usually uh, veggie burgers or or uh, brown rice pasta, um, you know, uh, a lot of rice and vegetables, tofu for sure. But then there's a lot of great meatless products out there that that uh, that uh, have been created. That you know, they they like my kids are all plant based, so you can get these chicken nuggets that are fake. There's no chicken in them. They're made with uh, with vegetable. Uh, textured proteins and stuff like that so so there I mean there are a lot of great options and it's getting more and more every day yeah you can definitely see that uh, even in our travels you know like uh, typically you see um, Asia and all a little bit behind the times no stereotyping here but North America maybe Europe uh, they tend to be a little bit more emphasis on you know um, maybe health and wellness and making sure that there's no chemicals and preservatives and addictives because North American Western society has been guilty of having all those things, those things, whereas Asia is maybe more pure. So anyway, um, I don't want to do too much stereotyping here. So I wanted to know about, um, so in terms of your other shift, you went from unhealthy to healthy. Uh, we've talked about that health journey in terms of, um, you know, uh, eating, etc. But uh, I want to take, uh, I want to learn more about this other main shift. You didn't just go from unhealthy to healthy. You went from unhealthy to endurance athlete. You know, just mind-boggling to see that that, that shift. Uh, so tell us about uh, how did you get into it? Uh, you talked about it a little bit at the intro, but uh, how did you get into it in terms of becoming it, like almost like this obsessive passion where you want to do it, um, you know, Crazily, as much as possible. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I, you know, it, it's funny. It's, uh, you know, doors open. An opportunity presents itself when you surround yourself in that, when you're around people in that world. So, you know, doing Ironman was, was great. I, I loved it. I mean, it, when I crossed my very first finish line in 2007, it was, I'll never forget it. It was amazing. It's like you feel like a rock star. So many people at the finish line. It's just, it's fantastic. But, you know, I, I, that soon wore off. It was like, I don't need the crowd. What I need to do is just test myself, you know? So, you know, you, you meet people, you know, like I, 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 uh, I, I used to watch this documentary all the time called The Distance of Truth. And there's a guy uh, named Ferg Hawk, and he's, uh, he's based out of White Rock, B.C. And he used to uh, run the Badwater 135-mile run through Death Valley. And I used to watch his documentary all the time before I'd do Ironman or something. Cause then it would go, well, if he can do that, I can easily do an Ironman cause it's the toughest foot race on the planet, you know? And then, you know, and then you, and then I would meet other people that had done it or, and then, and then Ultraman, I, I, this one woman that uh, a friend of mine, uh, this woman, Lucy Ryan, she had done Badwater plus she had done Ultraman. So she actually got me into it. I crewed for her in 2013. I was like, this is for me. This is what I want to do. There's 30, 35 entrants. Uh, there's, you know, it's not spectator friendly. You have a crew with you and it's, it's a true test of whether you're going to quit or you're going to push through the dark times. And then to me, it was just a metaphor. 
that's it. It's just, that's, it's the test of life. You know, a lot of people just give up. They sit on the couch, throw a burger in their hand, watch TV, and that's, they're happy with that. But when you go out and you push yourself mentally, you realize that there's more out there and that we're capable of so much more. We're not just meant just to, to just throw in the towel. Life's too short for that. Do things that ignite you and, and ignite your passions and, and go for it. So that's what happened to me. It was just that it just unfolded. It's almost a blur, <laughs> you know? So you have this upcoming, uh, the Epic Five Challenge. Five days, five Hawaiian Highlands, five uh, Ironmans, and of course, five charities that you're helping support. Um, what's the origin of the actual Epic Five Challenge? A lot of us may never have heard of that concept. So tell us about the origin, tell us about the history, and how did you make a decision to take part this year? Yeah, well, there, there are two guys. Uh, the founder's name is Jason Lester. Uh, in 2010, he, he, had, uh, he had done uh, uh, Ironman's Ultraman Canada, Ultraman World Championships in Hawaii. And uh, he decided he wanted to take it to the next level. And he's like, he asked a buddy of his, his name's Rich Roll. And uh, who is, you know, both of those guys are people I admire greatly. And I, I've never met them, but I just admire them. I've read their books. And, and um, uh, Jason asked Rich Roll to join him to see if they could do five Ironmans in five days in five different Hawaiian Islands. So they had to do all the logistics and everything. It was, it was really hard. It, it had never been done. Uh, sadly, it took them seven days to do five Ironmans because they, the flights and everything like that. But uh, uh, they're uh, a person that was helping support them. Rebecca Morgan um, has been there from day one. She's now the race director now. They have figured it out how to do it with all the logistics and everything. So that race, uh, the next year was a, a sanctioned uh, race in the, in the U.S. and it's just kept going and going and it's and it is growing. So uh, that uh, that's kind of the the start of it. And then so when I decided to do it and attach the charitable aspect to it, it's um, I read Jason Lester's book called Running on Faith, and uh, Basically, in the book, he says that you shouldn't, you know, when you're doing these endurance events, you should attach something to it. You know, you should do it for charity. Otherwise, it can be somewhat selfish. And it can be. You take a lot of time away from family. Work does suffer a little bit, I'll be honest with you. Just, you know, for a short amount of time in each year that you do it. So, you you know, you, you want to do it and make it meaningful. And, and possibly, you know, something like doing five Ironmans in five days, I want to leave uh, a little bit of a legacy behind. So at least I can say to my kids, I did that event, but I raised money for charity, you know, and then hopefully it's, uh, they'll look at that and they'll want to do the, something similar, you know, or set them on a path uh, when they're older. So. Yeah, definitely. That's why we do what we do to create that legacy, inspire our kids and, you know, change the world ultimately. So tell us about how those five days will look like. Uh, so you're going to fly into, uh, you know, one island, uh, do a little bit of prep. Uh, then tell us about how those five days will look. Okay, so I, on September 24th, I fly to Honolulu. I'll spend the night in Honolulu. And then on the morning of the 25th, I end up in Kauai. So we have a few days in Kauai. Uh, you know, doing pre-race meetings, getting our stuff all set up, uh, just, you know, resting, maybe doing a couple, a few little swims. And then on the 28th of September at six in the morning, we'll, we'll start our first Ironman. 
So it'd be a 3.8 kilometer swim in the ocean in Kauai, uh, followed by a 180 kilometer bike ride and then a, a, a marathon, 42 kilometers. And then that evening of the 28th, we catch a flight out, I think at about 11 at night, and we fly to Oahu, where we'll check into a condo of some kind. I'm not even sure where I'm staying. They, the race directors book it. And then we, we check in, and then the following morning, I think at 7, we start our Ironman number 2. And then from, from Oahu, uh, we, we, race, we do the Ironman. I won't even call it a race. We do the Iron Ironman, and then the next morning on the on the 30th we would fly to um, Molokai, and then we do the Ironman there, and then the next morning over to Maui, and then the final morning September 1st we end up in Kona, where it's day five. They call it the party day, and that's where my family will be waiting for me. So they'll see me uh, do my last, my final, um, final Ironman on uh, the world championship course in Kona, which is amazing. So there's a lot of logistics involved. There's a, you got to pick up a rental car on each Island. You have to make sure I have all my, my fuel. Um, you know, I'm going to have to eat solid food. I'm not going to just get by on gels and, you know, and, and, um, carbo pro and, and things like that. So I'm going to have to eat, uh, eat some, you know, fatty, a uh, little bit of protein foods and, uh, lots of carbs. So, lots of fresh fruit on Hawaii is going to be good. Um, so yeah, so a lot of logistics there. So by the time you get to probably third, fourth, fifth Ironman, I'm not going to be having a lot of sleep. It's, there's going to be sleep deprivation involved. And, and, uh, by the time I finish, you know, maybe, uh, Ironman four and five, it could be in the middle of the night. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be a challenge. This is logistics, the lack of sleep. You know, I think, cooling off, you know, like recovering, trying to recover as much as I can after each one is going to be, you know, of, of, uh, highest, uh, I'm going to have to pay attention to that. It's going to be the protein, you know, compression pants and just, yeah, just getting ready. Chad is giving me shivers and goosebumps just hearing what this five days is going to be all about. How are you preparing yourself? Obviously the mental preparation, the practice, disciplining yourself, believing yourself at the finish line, visualization. What's happening to you in terms of the preparation leading up to this event? How are you conquering your fears? How are you building your belief? Well, it's, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a, a ton of fear uh, going to do it. Uh, it's getting ready, everything ready. So I've been working on it now for a few months, you know, like uh, booking all the flights and making sure the rental cars are taken care of. And then obviously, you know, working, I got to pay the bills. So I'm working and, uh, um, and then training. So I, I train anywhere probably on average for about the last few months between 16 and 20 hours a week. So it's, it's quite a bit, um, you know, but the way I look at it, the human body will only get so fit with endurance. You know, it's not like I'm lifting weights or anything. I'm constantly moving, you know, I'm out riding my bike for five or six hours you know, running, swimming. Um, what it comes down to is when I get, get going, it's going to come down to the mental uh, side of it. Um, you know, not pushing too hard and just not quitting, you know, and, and making sure I pay attention to fueling and everything like that. So um, yeah, so the, the prep has been, uh, you know, it's been a little bit stressful, 
but uh, you know, I have a wife that uh, is super supportive and helps me out. And, uh, and I am bringing a crew with me. So they help take care of a lot of the logistical issues. Tell us about the rough pricing. How much is this going to cost? Well, it's probably costing, it costs about 11,000 to go into the race. But that, that's bringing crew, you know, a crew with you, all your accommodations, inter-island flights. Um, outside of that, I've had to book the rental cars and then pay for flights to go from uh, Vancouver to Honolulu, Honolulu to Kauai and then Kona back to Honolulu, you know, so it's not, it's not terrible. It's, it doesn't cost a lot of money to fly to Hawaii in August. <laughs> it's kind of weird to me because as a Canadian, I, I would much rather be going in December. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, uh, in terms of the actual, um, you know, um, charitable component, uh, there's five charities that you're supporting. What are those charities and how did you pick them? Well, my wife and I uh, uh, had been discussing it and what we wanted, you know, what charities we wanted to support. And uh, she's quite the philanthropist herself. So we decided, you know what, let's just attach five charities to this and do it, you know, attach one per island. And they all have to be local charities um, uh, in, B in British Columbia. And they have to be uh, uh, benefit kids living in poverty or with critical illness. Um, you know, having little kids that are healthy, we are so lucky. I mean, everybody, you know, we could think we're having a bad day, but if you have a, a child that's unhealthy, you're, that is, that would be the worst. It would be devastating. And uh, so we decided to attach Canuck Place. Um, I know you're familiar with that. Um, and then Island 2 was going to be CNIB Youth Services. And uh, I chose CNIB because I grew up with a sight impaired father. My dad was, uh, has been sight impaired my entire life, pretty much since I was five. So when you have kids that can't go to these uh, CNIB camps, um, the chances of them living in poverty when they're older are super high because they don't learn how to function on their own. So I thought that was important. So if I could raise enough money to send, uh, you know, one or two kids to camp, I'd be super happy. Um, Island three is a charity that my wife created with uh, Van City Community Foundation and that's called the Millipede Project and uh, we're raising um, enough money to buy 500 pairs of shoes for kids uh, living in poverty you go back to school because that really affects their self-esteem um, Island four is indigenous roots it's Minerva BC indigenous roots um, it's a leadership program for young uh, indigenous uh, women or girls ages 12 to 19. And I think that's, I work with a lot of indigenous, indigenous groups in my uh, power line world. I do a lot of engagement and, and uh, we created a fund. And I just think that, you know, in the future, I think I mean, women are, hey, they're superior to men. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you have strong women in the, you know, in life, I think that the society just absolutely benefits from that. And then I left uh, probably the biggest motivation for day five, and that's the Terry Fox Foundation, and it's called Profile. And it's to do with pediatric, pediatric cancer research. So um, we're having a fundraiser on August 15th, and I'm pretty fortunate to have Daryl Fox come over, Terry's brother. He's coming to the house. So that's pretty awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, those five charities are definitely much needed, and I love the personal touch 
uh, to all of those ones you mentioned. Uh, so uh, I'm curious to know about uh, what is your goal in terms of uh, raising funding, donations, where are you at, and what do you need to get to? Well, you know, I had set a goal of like 5,000 per charity, you know. We're getting, uh, we're, we're, some, we're about halfway there. So it, it hasn't been as easy as I thought it would be, to be honest with you. You know, uh, I'm sure people nowadays are hit up to, you know, charities are contacting people nonstop. So, I mean, I get it. But we've had some very generous people uh, donate and, uh, um, and companies uh, donate as well. So, so it's been great and we're not done yet. And my wife uh, will give live updates and be doing social media during the event. So, you know, it'll be open for donation, you know, even after. It's always going to be open for donation, even after the event is long over. So if somebody listens to this, uh, you know, in January, they can they can go to my page and, and still donate, you know. So, uh, no, but I, I'm, I'm already happy with what we've, uh, what we've accomplished. And, uh, and uh, it'll just keep growing. I know it will. Awesome, awesome. Definitely wishing you the best in the donation. Uh, final question for you, Chad. You're going to do this uh, big uh, epic uh, challenge in the next, uh, you know, the, the five days in Hawaii. What's next? Uh, are you going to do all the continents? Are you going to do uh, different countries? Are you going to try to conquer another major fear of yours or, you know, accomplish another major goal? What are the future events you're going to be uh, taking part in? What do you envision for your future? Well, you know, Ricky, I think after this year, I'm going to take a break. Uh, I am doing a cycling event next year for uh, a buddy and I are, are going to do it together for his 50th birthday, but I'm going to take a little bit of a break and um, spend a little bit more time with my daughters and my wife. And also I want to focus on um, a coaching business and not a triathlon coaching business, but a transform life transformation coaching business. So, you know, if I um, speaking and uh, doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with people that want to, shift their mindset and turn their life around, you know, just for, with general health and wellness. So I think I'd probably focus on that a little bit, but, uh, I'm definitely not done with, uh, doing endurance athletics, uh, you know, doing these five Ironmans in five days. I don't know if I'll jump into something like that, uh, again, too quickly. Uh, maybe, maybe some hundred mile runs down the road, you know, mountain runs, that kind of thing, long distance swimming or something. But uh, no plans as of yet for anything super long. I, I will need to take a, a somewhat of a break. I'm actually, you know, you, you, you look ahead and, and, you know, in, in you know, 31 days or so, this thing's going to be wrapping up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's going to be bittersweet when, I'm, when I cross that finish line on day five and I'm hanging out with my family for a couple of days in Hawaii and we're just relaxing. So it's going to be good. It will be good. It will be good. Uh, definitely, uh, and, you know, looking forward to uh, seeing the results and celebrating the victory w with you and for you. Not only the victory on a personal level, uh, but the victory in terms of uh, the victory for all those charities, all those kids, and all the ripple effect of what that will happen. So just want to give you a huge round of applause, a big, uh, you know, air high five and, uh, you know, double thumbs up on my end. Uh, Chad, if people wanted to, um, you know, donate to your uh, your causes help support you maybe even get some coaching from you in life transformation what's your website social media and how can they connect so if they just go to plantlifesports.com 
you can follow, you can click and follow me on social media. Um, usually my wife does that for me. I'm not the greatest at it. I'm, I'm getting better. Um, and you can go onto the donate page and it'll link you to the Mary Jo Dion fund. And that's my wife's fund and it's all through Van City. So as soon as you donate, you know, $5, $10, 50, 500, 5,000, whatever you want, you get a tax receipt right away. It's automatically emailed to you. So it's all, it's all great. And uh, if somebody wanted to donate money and leave it to uh, one of the charities that they prefer, you just have to send a message along with the, on the donation page and that's where the money will go. So it's, it's easy. Plantslifesports.com. There you go. Easy peasy. Make sure you check it out. Plantslifesports.com. And, uh, you know, Ian, if you're uh, listening or watching this interview post race, uh, you know, check out all the updates. Uh, you know, the website will be full of updates about what's happened and, uh, you know, what Chad's up to. And, uh, you know, kind of, you can still donate as Chad mentioned, no matter when you're listening to this, even if it's like 2028 and you're, you were listening to this, then donate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely great to connect here on the podcast and uh, wishing you all the best. And I look forward to connecting again, my friend. Thanks a lot, Ricky. You're very welcome. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, definitely reach out to Chad. If you're struggling with things like he mentioned, addiction, smoking, alcohol, and healthy eating, reach out, reach out, reach out. And you know, Chad, Chad's definitely the kind of guy who would be happy to help. And he's done it. So, so can you. So with that, we bid you farewell and thanks for tuning into this episode.